Good morning, JA family. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we can uh, be here together and worship uh, our God. What a wonderful time it is. Anytime we have the opportunity to come together and worship God. No, as I uh, was already mentioned, we've got a lot of visitors with us this morning. We are thankful that you are here and uh, would just ask you to give us a little bit of your time, maybe after services, to get to know you a little bit better. See if there's any way that we can help you on your journey towards heaven as we are journeying along with you. Uh, this morning, we're continuing our series. Uh, our yearly theme this year is better. Uh, we're searching for something greater than what the world has to offer and we're looking at all kinds of different uh, areas of life where God offers us something more Jesus said that he came to give us life and have it uh, an abundant life not just life not just the life that everyone else can experience but something greater than what anyone else can experience and that's the life of a Christian. So I hope that if you're interested in that, you will continue to come and be a part of us here, be a part of this family, grow with us as we continue to seek something greater than what the world has to offer this morning. Uh, and really, I guess the theme for the month has been don't settle. Uh, don't settle for anything less than what God wants you to have, what God wants to bless you with, what God uh, is promising to you if you are a Christian this morning. And today, especially, we're talking, thinking about don't settle for the sidelines. I was looking at it, you know, that most of us are probably aware, and we'll look at two examples this morning, uh, one from Hebrews 12, that's where we'll start, so if you want to turn there, we'll be there shortly, the other one in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, but I was looking, as most of you know, uh, the Super Bowl is in two weeks, uh, and some of you care about that, and some of you don't care about that at all, I get it, that's why we're going to have two examples this morning, not just a sports one, uh, but uh, think about the, the ticket cost of the Super Bowl. I looked at this morning trying to, to see how much it would be. I really wanted to see how much a, a sideline ticket would be. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But the cheapest ticket that I could find was over $4,000 uh, just to, to go into the game. Most tickets, if you wanted to be uh, on the 50-yard line in the lower level, you're talking $25,000 or more. So that's a little bit of money, right? Uh, can, can you imagine? I think they had some, some sky boxes or something like that that were $1.5 to $2 million. Uh, so if you have that spare change, I can find better uses for it for you. So you just let me know. Uh, that's, that's an expensive ticket, right? Can you imagine? I, I don't even know if they offer this. It's probably one of those things where you have to know somebody, right? It's not, a, it's not a matter of money. It's a matter of relationship. It's a matter of who you know. If you wanted to be on the sideline with the team, you know, you, you go to a high school game, and if you, you know, if you know the coach is really good, if, you, if your, your son or your daughter in whatever sport it may be is the, is the star player, maybe you could get onto the sideline and watch from court side or watch from the field side, right? Uh, that, that's maybe who you know a little bit. Uh, maybe if a college game, if you're a, a donor or something like that to the, uh, to the volunteers or something like that, if for whatever reason you would want to do that. Uh, if, maybe if you were a big enough donor, you could be, have a, a sideline ticket or something like that where you could mix it up with the team and the coaches in the, in the middle of the game. So you, but you can imagine that it, to, for a Super Bowl sideline ticket, I don't even know if you could put a dollar amount on it, right? It's a big deal. Uh, if, they, if they're talking about $4,000 plus for the ticket that's behind the post where you actually can't even see anything, you know, it's going to be pretty expensive to, to get on the field with the team and mix it up. Maybe even, you know, have access on the field before the game or after the game. Maybe there's a ticket price that you could put there. But what we want to think about this morning is in your faith, don't settle for the sidelines. Don't settle for just being close but not being active, not being in the game, not being part of what's going on. And this morning there are some of us here that are settling for the sidelines. 
Uh, we, 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 we claim to be Christians. We, we, we are pretty good moral people. We're, we're good people. We're not bad people. We're not living in sin or unrighteousness. We're not actively uh, doing things that, that we ought not do. But sometimes it's not those, those sins that we, we commit. It's those things that we fail to do. The things that God wants us to do more of, wants us to be more active, more involved individually, maybe as a family, as a congregation, as a church, things that we could do and should do and want to do more of. When I think about Hebrews chapter 11, you're talking about the Hall of Fame. Think about football, you know, the people who make it to the Hall of Fame of football or to the, the Baseball Hall of Fame or whatever other Hall of Fame there is, you know, how do you get to the Hall of Fame? These are the best at what they're doing, right? Uh, these are the ones that, that have done something, achieved something, that, that everyone, that the people of the Hall of Fame, they want this person and their achievements to re- be remembered throughout the ages. When Hebrews chapter 11, we often refer to it as, and it seems to almost be presented as a, hey, we want you to remember these people and their accomplishments and what God did through them and what they did with God. We want you to remember them throughout the ages. And for 2,000 years or so, this has been the Hall of Faith. You read about people like Noah, and it says that, that Noah built an ark not even knowing what rain was, not even, not even having understood what rain was, having not seen it. Can you think about that? You know, I don't know, again, a whole lot about a whole lot of things, but I don't know a whole lot about boat building, but I know when you're building a boat, you probably want to do it close to water, right? That would make sense. And if you're building a boat the size of the ark, you're going to need a significant amount of water, but it would seem as if that that's probably not what, hap- what happened. When Noah built the ark, there wasn't enough water to float the ark. and would have only taken probably the, the flood to be able to lift the ark off of its supports in order to be able to, to float. And Noah did this thing. He had faith in God, such faith that he was willing to put the work in, not even knowing what the outcome would be. Another one that's mentioned in this hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 is, is Abraham. And Abraham, it says that, that he leaves the place that he knows, he leaves the people that he knows, and he goes to a foreign land, again, that he's never seen. He doesn't know where he's going, he just knows God says, go. And he goes. And Abraham uh, probably a lot of us could relate to him if we take the time to look at Abraham and his story because God promises him so many things and says, hey, I'm going to do this for you and this for you and this for you. And Abraham is, is excited about it just like you and I would be. And he wants those things. And he wants those things so much that instead of relying on God to provide those promises, he tries to provide those blessings himself. And he has to learn just like you and I have to learn that the things God promises, I cannot provide for myself. And neither can you. No one can provide for me the blessings that God has promised to us. So Abraham stands in that hall of fame of faith. You read about other people in, in the, uh, the hall of fame of faith. You read about uh, Moses and the things that he did, the life that he lived. That from, from birth almost, it was a, an act not of Moses' faith, but of his mother's faith where he's hidden from three months. Because remember that, that all the male sons of the Israelites in Egypt were supposed to be killed. And Moses is one of those. So she hides him for three months. And then she makes that, that uh, basket and puts pitch on it and sends it down the river. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds it. And, and just blessing after blessing after blessing. And then Moses is... Uh, falls away from the, his Egyptian family, goes somewhere else for 40 years and works hard there, comes back and leads the people out of, of, of Egypt and out of slavery and just all the amazing things that he's able to do that he would not have been able to do and certainly he knew he would not have been able to do without God. And then you also read about people like Rahab, that unlike Noah who seemingly, you know, he's, he's a, a, a righteous and faithful person in his relationship with God from the very first time that we hear about him. 
And unlike Abraham, who is interested, as soon as God says go, he gets up and he goes and he's, he's ready to take advantage of that opportunity. Rahab is a prostitute when we meet her. She's not a godly person. She's living in sin. But when given the chance, she changes her life. If that's not a good story for us to remember, for us and for others, then we need to make, our, make sure that we set our minds in a better place. And then I love verse 32. If you're in Hebrews 12, you can turn back one, one chapter to Hebrews 11. I, I love Hebrews eleven thirty-two through the rest of the chapter uh, where the, the writer says, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, of Jephthah, as well as David and Samuel and the prophets. And I think there, I stop there and I think, man, you're talking about the, the hall of fame of faith and you don't have time to tell me about David? If you don't have time to tell me about David, there must be some really significant people that you've told me about and and some really significant people who are being left out of this conversation. Okay, so he's talking about all these great people. But then he says, not only the big name people, he talks about other people, those unsung heroes, those unnamed heroes, people that we will never know who they were until we meet them in heaven. It says in verse 33, uh, who... Through faith conquered kingdoms, performed righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong from weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others, these are the unknown one, others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others experienced mockings and floggings, yes, also praying chains and imprisonment uh, they were stoned they were sawn in two they were tempted they were put to death with a sword they went about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted mistreated of whom this world was not worthy they wandered in des- desolate places and mountains and caves and holes in the ground and all of these having gained approval through their faith did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. And then we get to chapter 12. Well, we read about it, after we read about all these great heroes of the faith. Then it says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we today, you and me, have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself but by sinners so that you will not grow weary or grow faint and lose heart. When I read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 especially, we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. My mind goes to, if I'm visualizing this because of the time and place I've grown up in, I visualize a stadium. I visualize being on the field in the middle of the game, and these are the people that are in the stands, and they're cheering for your team. They're cheering for you. When we think about this, this idea of don't settle for the sidelines, one thing that, that God, through the writer of Hebrews, tells us is, hey, there have been people for generations and generations and generations who have done it before, and they are cheering you on. They want you to succeed. And I hope that, that I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, that when you come into this building and you see these faces and you worship God with this family, I hope that you know that all of us want you to succeed. We want you to go to heaven. People that's in the balcony, we want you to go to heaven. People under the balcony, we want you to go to heaven. 
teens on the front row, we want you to go to heaven. Elders, deacons, Bible class teachers, first-timers, we want you to go to heaven. And we want to do everything that we can to help you get there. You know, it's a beautiful picture, I think, again, of, of, of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, that, that idea of those, those faithful people from the past being, being in the stands and watching you and cheering you on. But you know, if you've ever played any kind of sport or participated in any kind of competition, there's a difference between people who are cheering you on and you who are the one who is competing. Whether that's a, a speech and debate competition or whether it's a football game or a band competition or whatever it is, it's great and it can be beneficial sometimes to have those people cheering you on and messing with the other team and, and, and really pumping you up. And, and I, I get that, but there's a difference that the people in the stands, the game's not on the line for them. You're the one in your life who is living your life and walking and following Jesus. And I love again what it says, uh, if you go over to, to verse 3 of chapter 12, uh, where it says, For consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary, fainting in heart. When I think about that idea of fainting in heart, I think about Moses and Aaron and her in Exodus chapter uh, 17, and uh, they're fighting the Amalekites. The Israelites are fighting the Amalekites, and, and Moses is standing up on a mountain, and Joshua is down in the field, and, and it's, a, it's a beautiful picture, but... This goes a little bit contrary to perhaps what I just said, but stick with me for a second, okay? Uh, through the power of God, Moses, when he raises his hand, he has a staff in his hand. When his hands are up, the, the, the Israelites are conquering. They're, they're winning the battle against the Amalekites. Joshua's the one down there with his soldiers, and they're doing the, the fighting. But Moses, the leader, the chosen leader, God chose Moses to be the leader. God gave him this staff. God is giving him some sort of miraculous ability here, miraculous power here. And when his hands are up, the Israelites win. When his hands are tired and he begins to lower them, the Amalekites begin to win. And Moses has a brother named Aaron and he has another friend named Hur. And they come and they, they, they sit Moses down. They say, hey, look, you're tired, you're weary. You've been at this for hours. You need some help. You here, you sit down on this rock and we're going to help you. And they literally hold his arms up. What does that tell us? It wasn't because of Moses' power to hold his arms up. It was because God was exerting power in that way. Why did God choose to do that way? I don't know. You can ask him when you get there, okay? But that's the way he chose to do it. And Aaron stands on one side and holds one of his arms up. And Hur stands on the other side and holds his other arms up. And when his arms are up, not his own strength, but because God chose to do it that way, the Israelites win a great battle that day. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Let us... Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and run the endurance that is set before us. It goes from a, a you or a me to a we so that you won't grow weary and faint-hearted. If you're living the Christian life, you know as well as I do that sometimes it's not easy. It's not easy because other people don't make it easy. It's not easy because sometimes I don't want to do the things that God wants me to do. I want to do the things that I want to do, and those things are sometimes contrary. You know that it's not always easy, and that's why it's so important that not only do we have people from the, we have the, the testimonies, we have the stories, we have the examples from the past of faithful people like Noah and Moses and Abraham and Rahab and so many others that we could think about in those Bible stories that we've heard about all of our lives. It's great and it's enthusiastic and it, it, it rouses us up to know that they've done it and that they're on our side. And I hope that it is in, in, encouraging to know that everyone here is on your side. But at some point it takes more than just a kind word. At some point, it takes more than just a, 
Hey, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. Good to see you. See you next week. Sometimes it takes holding somebody up, bearing one another's burdens, getting down into the messiness of life and helping people get out of the difficulty, the difficult places of life. So yes, when we think about this idea of don't settle for the sidelines and we think about our relationship together as a church family and, and, and our relationship with other Christians, yes, it's, it is that stadium picture in some ways, but I want you to understand that it's more. When, when Jesus talks about his family, when Jesus talks about his people as Christians, it talks about it kind of in this stadium way. He describes his relationship with his, with his people as, as a marriage, him being the husband and, and the, the church being the, the bride. Certainly it talks about it as, as a family, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not a, that's not a, just an idea that we think sounds good. That's a biblical idea. We're brothers and sisters in Christ and we should grow in that. But, but even more than, than all of that, our, our second example this morning is more than sports, more than the camaraderie you can have with people that you're, uh, you're, you're playing a game with, even more than a camaraderie that you can have with perhaps fellow military personnel and that, that bond that you can have there. And that's an extremely close bond. Some of you know that firsthand. But even more than that, the Bible uses another analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to turn there, it, it uses the analogy of the body and, and the, the interconnectedness that we are supposed to have as the church. So what I want to do is look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 uh, through about verse 27 and, and make some points here. And some things you're going to look at and you're going to say, yeah, I've experienced that. Yeah, I understand that. Yes, I, I have that. And, and maybe some things, maybe a few things, maybe a lot of things you'll say, that sounds great, but I don't have that. That sounds like something I'd really like to be a part of, but I don't have it. And maybe that's failings on other people's parts. Maybe that's failings on your part. But I want you to understand is this is what God wants for his people. The, the type of connectedness and love and concern that God wants for his people, that God wants for us here at JA. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. For even as the body is one, it yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ, all right? If you're a Christian, then this is for you. Verse 13. For also by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. I don't think that we can underemphasize the importance of when he says, uh, you were, whether you were Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We can kind of wrap our minds around the difference between someone who was a slave and someone who is not a slave, someone who has freedom. The same, ex- the same distinction could have been made between the Jews and the Gentiles, which would have been anybody else in the first and second centuries, okay? Uh, think about this idea that the, the total separation that the Jews especially would have had. You might have been this, you might have been that, you might have been a slave, you might have been a free person, you might have been black, you might have been white, you might have been rich, you might have been poor, whatever. What, the biggest differences that you can think of, you might have been this or that, but now you're one. And most of us here don't have that many big differences. But we're supposed to be one. We're supposed to have that kind of connection. Notice verse 14, for also the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, and think about this idea of belonging, do you, and this is a, not the easiest or safest question for me to ask you, but I want you to answer this question honestly to yourself. And then depending on your answer, and how it strikes you, I want you to come to me and talk to me about it. 
I encourage you to go to our shepherds and talk to them about it, okay? This is a question of belonging. Do you feel like you belong at Jefferson Avenue? Do you feel like you're a part of the family, the body, that meets here at Jefferson Avenue? Verse 15. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Or if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, is it, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. Sometimes, because of our talents, because of our abilities, because of what they are, and the fact that we all have different talents and abilities, some of them get uh, pumped up and placed on a, a pedestal. The guy who stands in front of you and preaches every week gets that. I don't want it, by the way. I want to serve God with you, and I want to help you through teaching God's Word. But I understand why it happens. Elders who get up here and make announcements, song leaders who get up here, people who stand on a stage, sometimes that happens, okay? And sometimes we may think, well, I'm not a Bible class teacher, or I'm not a preacher, or I'm not a song leader, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, or whatever reason and or excuse that you can think of, you can say, well, since I'm not that, I'm not really all that important, And God says, you don't have to be that to be important. You don't have to be that to be a part of the body. If you're a Christian this morning, if you have believed that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God, if you've named Jesus as the Lord of your life, if you've tried to repent of your sins and follow Jesus, and if you've been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, you are a Christian, and if you are a Christian, you are a part of the body of God. Praise God. You are a part of the body of Christ. Never doubt your value in God's eyes. No matter what your talent is, figure out what your talent is. Figure out how you can use that talent for God's glory. It does not have to be getting up here. It does not have to be teaching a Bible class, but it has to be something. Figure out what God has blessed you with and use it for his glory. Personally, individually, publicly, privately, do it. Whatever it is. Question of belonging. Do you feel like you belong here? Verse number 17. Because there's a need for you. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Or if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now, listen to this. Now, God has appointed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. God The body needs you, and God has placed you, given you whatever talents and abilities that you have, just as he desired, because he knows what the body needs, and he knows what you can provide. And in that way, God does not need you. God does not need me. God does not need any of us. Acts chapter 17, Paul tells us that. God has no need of us. But because he has made Christ and his body, the church, We need each other. Again, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. So that we will not grow weary and faint-hearted. It goes from a me to a we. We have a need for each other. Verse number 19. Again, this idea of connection and community. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Now, there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And again, this, this this is... the opposite end of it, you know, some, some people feel like uh, because of their talent or ability or whatever it might be, or maybe they just haven't recognized their talent or ability yet, they don't see their value. And then there is the other extreme, the other arrogant extreme, which is much more sinful probably, that looks at people and says, hey, I can't notice your talent or ability either. I don't need you. 
If God says you're needed, and if you're a Christian, you're needed, then you're needed. And you're a part of this body. Don't settle for the sidelines. You know, it used to be that uh, we thought that the, uh, uh, the appendix wasn't really a, an, ex- an extremely important part of the body, and people, they would, they would take it out frequently. But in recent years, we've learned that the appendix uh, it, it, it can still be taken out, and you can certainly survive without your appendix, but it serves a function in your body. And sometimes we may, sometimes we may, sometimes you might, I might, look at people and say, I don't know about that part. Maybe we should just cut that part and throw it out. What arrogance. We need to be really careful about that because God has placed each member in the body just as he desires and we have a need for each other. We may have to search longer and find it better, but there is a need for one another. Uh, it goes on there in the next few verses to talk about uh, the, the, those that are supposed to be uh, mightier or more important parts of the body and weaker or less important parts of the body. And again, the, the conclusion of those few verses there is, no, you don't get to decide what's more important You don't get to decide what's more honorable. You don't get to decide those things. God has placed us exactly where he wants us, and our only job is to be there to support one another. Verse number 25. Let's start in 24, the the second part of verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you, Christian, this morning, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Look back again at verse 25. Uh, he's given us, he's put us where we need to be, placed us honor and given us, given the appropriate honor to, to appropriate people so that there be no division in the body, but that the members of the body may have the same care for one another. What's the opposite in that verse? What's the opposite of division within the body? Care for one another. Now this is possible in any group of people, whether it's a team, uh, a sports team, or an academic team, or a band, or a church, or a family, it is possible for us to not share that same care for one another. And when we don't do that, that's when divisions happen. That's when differences happen. That's when angst happens, right? When, when I don't feel like that you care about me the same way you care about somebody else, then that's probably within me going to com- uh, create some sort of angst difficulty and eventually lead to division and we can do that by age group can't we you know sometimes it's it's a it's a wonderful thing i love me some jesse and i love me some teens but sometimes churches can can focus a whole lot on their youth groups and build them up and do great things with them and that's a good thing but sometimes that can lead other generations to say well you spend a whole lot of time with the youth group but you don't spend a whole lot of time with me or sometimes we can think about uh, other, other groups, uh, whether it's age or, or area or whatever it is, and, and, and maybe uh, they, they do, you know, they're not as involved in the work of the church as we would want them to be, and for whatever reason that might be. And, and because of that, other people begin to look at them and, and think about different things with them, and, and we want to make sure that, that all of us are a part of the, of the body and all of us are an active part. Here's, here's the point. And here's, here's where we'll leave it this morning. Don't settle for the sidelines. We're seeking something better. Uh, this morning, if you're a Christian, and, and let me back up just a moment. 
If you're visiting with us, I'm not trying to get onto the Jefferson Avenue congregation and tell them how horrible we are. I think if you were looking for an active congregation that is, is a family and loves each other, but is a family and just like your family isn't perfect, then you found us, okay? We're not perfect, all right? We got some issues because we're people and people have issues, all right? But I firmly believe that this congregation does love one another. But I recognize the opportunity to do better. To do better? Seek something greater than what the world has to offer? See, I don't, I don't want a family that, that is uh, only connected because of interests or only connected because of convenience or only connected because of uh, we get along. I want a family that's connected even through the difficult times and the disagreements and uh, the friction that happens within families because that's what we're supposed to be. Think about the body. Does your body always 100% all of the time feel well? No, it doesn't. Sometimes a, a sickness gets in and it makes some, a certain part of the body uh, feel bad. And when that certain part of the body feels bad, the whole body suffers. Or when something good happens, the whole body rejoices. There, there's this, this interconnectedness that I really want to, to encourage and to, to promote and to, to ask you again. Here's, here's the most important question that doesn't relate to everybody, okay? So... I'm not targeting everybody with this, with this question. Do you feel like you are a part of this family? What failings does that represent if you don't? What failings does that represent on our side as church leadership, as the church body? And what failings does it represent on your side as a part of the church body that may or may not be taking advantage of that opportunity? Do you feel like you belong? Are you being as active as you could be? And I'll just say this because I believe this to be true. If you're here on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and that's all, you're not as connected as you need to be. If you're here less than that, you're not as connected as you need to be. We as a congregation, as a family as a body, need to promote opportunities for us to grow closer together. We need to do that in in our ministries. You need to do that with your family. You need to open up your home and invite people to come over. When people open up their home and invite you to come over, you need to get out of your pajamas and go to their house. No, it's not convenient. No, it's not what you probably want to do. But it's a matter of heaven or hell. When you grow weary and faint-hearted, do you, right now, have the connections you need in this family to help you through it? And if you don't, change that. There is opportunity. As I already mentioned this morning, Don, encourage you, if you're not coming to Bible class, I know it's an hour earlier, I get it. I'd encourage you to come to Bible class. If you're not coming to Wednesday night, I'd encourage you to come to Wednesday night. But again, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I don't think that's enough. Um, and I'm going to be quiet here in just a minute, I promise. If the only people you have connection with are your friends, the people that you're closest to here at JA, I don't think that's enough. Because you know what happens to friends? Friends move away. Because they change jobs, 
As you grow older, what happens? Friends aren't around anymore. We need intergenerational, vertical relationships with our oldest members and our youngest members. And, and, and you, this is something you may not appreciate if, you, if you've been born and raised in Cookville. I know you've got family and friends and church members all over the place. But any of, any of us, including myself, who aren't from around here, it's really important that we have relationships with each other. And there are a growing number, locals, there are a growing number of people who are not locals. You have seen how bad traffic's getting, right? There are a growing number of people who are not locals, and they, we desperately need that connection. So here's my question for you that I want you, I want you to answer for yourself in this moment if you can, uh, or in the, the coming moments, and, and I would love to hear your answer, especially if it's a, a negative answer. Do you feel like you belong here at JA? If you don't, what can we do to make that better? Because I will speak for me, but I think I could also speak for the elders and the ministry team and just about everybody else here. We want you to go to heaven. And Jesus is going to get you there, but he has given us the body to help us stay with him. He is the head of the body, but there is a body, and we are it. This morning, if you're not a Christian, uh, there's something better than whatever the best thing is in your life. God offers you something greater than what the world has to offer. If you want to talk about that and figure out what that is, I'd, I'd love to tell you how God's blessed me. And I know a lot of other people who would be willing to do that too. But if you know about Jesus, and as I've already mentioned, you believe that he's the resurrected son of God, uh, then you can become a Christian this morning through repentance, letting go of worldly things, and, and ma- making up your mind that you're going to live for God. You won't do it perfectly. Nobody does. But you'll do it faithfully, meaning when you mess up, you'll get up and try again and ask God for forgiveness. And you can be baptized into Christ right now and begin that walk and that journey towards heaven. Brothers and sisters, we're going to heaven, aren't we? We're not there yet. But we're going to heaven, and we need each other to make sure that we get there. If we can help you in any way, in just a moment, Andy's going to come and uh, lead us in a song. Uh, We'll stand, and if you want to come forward and and talk to me or talk to one of our shepherds about a a need that you have, a a prayer concern that you have, if you're ready to become a Christian and put Christ on in baptism, this would be an opportune time to do that. All of these people would be like that cloud of witnesses surrounding you and cheering you on, saying, the best decision you'll ever make is to become a Christian. We'd love to do that right now. Uh, But if you're uncomfortable doing that, for whatever reason, uh, find me afterwards, find one of our shepherds afterwards, uh, and let's help each other on our journey towards heaven. If you have any needs, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.